this is a big wound in our country. This is a huge wound in our country. It's something that people deal with every day. In a lot of ways, I'm blessed. Gun violence has touched my family, but and it's touched my life in certain ways, but I don't live in areas or have to deal with it constantly every day. But there are people out there that do, and we're going to use our voices to speak and advocate for them. Test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Don Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Of course, I'm here with Carl, the homie. Welcome to Embrace Matters of Richmond podcast season four. If you're just joining us on our journey, Carl and I have been getting to know our community and the issues that threaten to tear us apart. On today's episode, Carl and I will be discussing gun violence. After some personal research, we return to discuss what we found. Carl. This has probably been the most exhausting research that we've done. I don't, would you agree? Like you're tired? Yeah, like, well, for one, I was overwhelmed at first with the amount of research that yeah. we were able to find. And we, we had a good amount of questions on the first episode of this topic. And Gabriella chimed in with her research as well. And I was like, wow, we had just a wealth of information so much and all of our answers all of our questions were answered <laughs> but before we get into all of that happy black history month that's right yeah man yeah happy black history month happy black history month to all of you embracers out there as well uh carl what's something you love about black history month my family it's because my family has contributed to some aspect of it that is mm. you know publicly known of yeah. course all fam all black families would have contributed to it but what makes it special for me is my grandfather was a tuskegee airman mm. and he fought in world war ii and served i got a few stories from that and i'm hoping to learn more about his his uh his service and that history from my family real soon yeah yeah that's awesome man i think for me I really enjoy obviously learning about black history, like learning new facts, learning about new people. But I specifically like when it's a surprise, a surprise, like, like you, you found out, you find something out new. That's like, wow, for real. Like, I didn't know that. Like those wow moments. I really enjoy those during black history month. Like, like George Crumb, being, you know, the man who invented the potato chip. Okay. You know, it's like, man, the, the potato chips. Crumb. Like, we did. <laughs> well, he changed his last name to Crumb, actually. I forgot what his original uh, last name was, but George Crumb, Crumb sliced the potato chip too thinly because he was upset. He was upset at the, I guess, the French patrons who was in the restaurant. They kept sending back his potatoes. So to get back at them, he sliced it really thin and then, like, cooked it, like, fried it in some oil and sent it out. And I think, I believe they loved it. I think they, I believe the story is they actually loved it. Um, so he monetized it obviously. So thank you, George Crumb. Cause I love some potato chips, uh, but also Kenny Washington, uh, Kenneth Washington. Um, he was like the first black football player to be at UCLA, but he was also the first black football player to officially accept a contract into the NFL. Wow. Um, and, 
obviously, you know, when this episode comes out, it's after the Super Bowl. So, you know. Yeah. Because that's uh, February 11th. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So when you when you guys are listening to this, we will know whether or not the Lions won. Hopefully, the Lions go all the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that's what I really love about Black History Month. The like, the the facts that catch you off guard. Those are my favorite. Awesome. Well, let's uh, go ahead and get to our uh, shout out segment. Our shout out segment. Friends is Big Facts. Big Facts is where we, either me or Carl, will shout out people, organizations, or events happening already making a difference in Richmond. This episode's shout out goes to Ghetto Gastro. Ghetto Gastro is a global mainstay of food as culture using ancestral ingredients to bring a multitude of flavors and recipes to eaters everywhere. Their collective uses food as a tool to tell stories about where they come from and the cultures that inspire them, generating excitement by merging the cooking traditions of black, brown, and Asian folks in a high-quality, healthy fashion. Where food goes, so goes its people. Mm -hmm. And where people go, their stories follow. They create experiences around the world making delicious food and collaborating with the best-in-class partners to intersect fashion, art, activism, design, and music, showing how food truly connects us all. As Ghetto Gastro, they big up the Bronx as a driver of global culture and use food as a weapon to make an impact in their community. This shout out goes to Ghetto Gastro. I was able to have some of their food, still not finished with having their food. Um, I need to make a run by Target. They're at Target. So what did you for, try? Um, well, we remember we went. We went to get the pastries at Target. Okay. And I got all four of the pastries. I got the, um, oh, man. I got the the maple, apple, cinnamon. I got the strawberry. I got the PB&J. And I got the raspberry, the chocolate raspberry. All of them were amazing. Really? I don't know if you liked yours, but yeah. I loved it. I tried them before I went back to gluten-free, and the strawberries were pretty good. Man, oh, man. I found my substitute for Pop-Tarts. And I can't wait to try the pancake mix, the pancake and the syrup. I can't wait to try that, too. But uh, listeners out there, check out Ghetto Gastro. They are at your targets near you. Their food is amazing, I would say. It is amazing. So give it a try. Yeah, that was a big fact right there. Shout out to Ghetto Gastro. So, Carl, the last episode, I have to say, I didn't know as much as I guess I do now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how much I know now for real, but um, we we were able to ask some very grounding questions. And I think we should go back and answer them before yeah. we move forward. Uh, so the first question I actually asked was, if violence was a color, what would it be? And we weren't wrong. <laughs> we weren't wrong, Carl. Uh, I was able to find the violence color palette on Google and the safety color palette. Now, there's a caveat. There's a caveat to finding things on Google. Okay. Now, I I feel like all of our listeners can understand. A quick Google search. I typed in violence color palette. That's what came up. The safety color palette was right next to it. 
It just happened to be this. But this is what Google told us. So the violence color palette is red, pink, purple, boys, uh, periwinkle, I think that is, mm-hmm. and brown. That's the violence color palette. The safety color palette is, oddly enough, red, orange, white, yellow, green, and blue. So that's what, like, Google told us. What do you, how do you interpret that? (laughs) How do I interpret that is, and I could, honestly, I could be, I guess, the biggest conspiracy theory ever, and... This is a safe space. It's our podcast. But I believe that colors like brown is systematically made to seem like they're violent or it's violent. So if you would have asked me, you know, well, I we did, I, you did ask me or we asked each other what the color for violence was. Mm-hmm. I said a deep red because that's what I honestly believe. But I feel like the world, or at least America, people see brown, or these colors, but they see specifically brown as a color of violence. Because people are under the assumption that black people are inherently violent, which I don't share that same sentiment at all. Yeah. So you think it's like a, an implicit bias? Yes. Okay. Yes. And with the safety color palette, white is one of those colors. So, I, you know, I have to chat, I have to try to make sense of, okay, I may be a little conspiracy theorist. You know, I may be a little like, okay, Dom, you, you stretching. Okay, Moral, you stretching it. But am I? Hmm. <laughs> am I stretching it? Um, now, I don't believe every, all Richmonders are inherently like walking around thinking that black people or brown skin is violent. But I do think it's peculiar that we seem to relate these darker colors with violence and lighter colors seem to be related with safety. I just think that that's something to think about. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. What do you think? How, how, I guess, how do you interpret the colors there? I, so way, the way I portrayed the color that I have, it made it, it wasn't because of skin color or race. It was more about the, the nuances that come with, like water. Mm-hmm. If you think of dirty water and it's, it's something you really don't want to drink or touch or be a part of. And um, that's where the murkiness came in. Cause when it comes to violence, you know, things get really, really sour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something I want to approach. Yeah. You know, I'm very against, pool water or gray water getting immersing myself in that and soapy water yeah very much like that you know mm-hmm. i'm uh, a non-violent person mm-hmm. yeah me too um but yeah uh, all of these things we bring these things to you guys so that you can do your homework as well and also you know think th- th- these things are for contemplation uh, moving on Another question that we asked was, are there influences that impact gun violence or is it just the availability of guns? Mm-hmm. Um, what I found was it that it's a little bit of both. 
But there's a lot of things in our world, in our country, that impact gun violence. Um, now, when, when learning about gun violence, I don't know how your research went, Carl, but a lot of the research and things that I read through had a lot to say about what impacts communities of color. Mm-hmm. Now, let me say this first off as a caveat before we dive in more, is that communities of color are not the only communities that deal with gun violence. And I would even move to say that communities of color are victims of gun violence. Does that make does that make sense? Say that again. I would say that communities of color are not the only communities that deal with gun violence. Yeah. But I would say that communities of colors color are victims of gun violence, meaning that the gun violence that we see in these lower economic communities is it's a product of the poverty. It's a product of the desperation. It's mm-hmm. a product of where these people are. Okay. If you took all these people, these same people in the same place and put them in a different place, they're going to be different. If you put them amongst resources and help and all of the things they need to survive without having to resort to these things, then we see difference. If you took a whole bunch of white people and put them in the same dire circumstances, that's what we're going to see from that community. Okay. Um, so let me, let me glaze this whole conversation with the fact that, um, a lot of this research, uh, points to there is a specific problem in these lower economic communities and these lower economic communities is where we see the most people of color, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And we've, we haven't dived too much into systematic racism, but we know that that is within our history uh, and continued history. Uh, So what I found was that some of the root causes of gun violence include income inequality, meaning that the people that live in that certain area, no matter where it is, we're talking about Richmond, people that live in Richmond that have, that are dealing with their income not being equal to their other counterparts. That's an issue. Um, poverty in general, mm-hmm. okay? Impoverished areas in Richmond. You're going to see gun violence. Um, underfunded public housing. That's a really big issue in Richmond. Yeah. Um, under-resourced public services. Another huge issue in Richmond. Um, underperforming schools. Mm-hmm. We're, that, that's that's actually going to be our next topic. Yep, is speaking about schools in Richmond. Um, lack of opportunity and perceptions of hopelessness. Um, and that one actually stuck out to me. Sure, that one stuck out to me. Lack of opportunity, I get that. But perceptions of hopelessness. There's a lot that goes into the mental health of people that live through or live in these lower economic areas is like PTSD. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite rappers, Kendrick Lamar talks about, I mean, he, I mean, he raps about his, you know, him surviving Compton every time he talks. I mean, he loves Compton. That's where he's from. But 
in a lot of his songs, he definitely opens up about he has survivor's guilt. He feels like he's lived through something traumatic mm. and he made it out of that trauma, but he, he's living with this guilt and there's, there's mental instability of how he copes with it. And people that live in these lower economic areas are dealing with perceptions of hopelessness, hopeless, hopelessness, meaning that they believe that they are in a completely hopeless situation. Like there is no other, there is no other option. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that people have a hard time wrapping their mind around. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. Like perceiving other people's or other populations hopelessness. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting is what you listed out as, as far as those contributors, those are different um, or different dimensions that can be tracked to a community or a population or even an individual's sense of well-being, mm -hmm. like purpose, education. So having that contribute to that, their physical health, their financial health. Yeah. And hope like spiritually so like people without hope yeah. aren't typically well right right and um the last one listed here is uh or last one i have listed is uh easy access to firearms by high-risk people um and i mean we could do a whole episode on how guns even got to the hood but you know that's a that's a that's a completely different conversation. Yeah. Well, even other places too. Or other people. Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. How they get into schools. Right. Yeah. How do they get to the school? How do not how even do they even? Yeah. Like how do they even get to? Uh, like these specific type of guns. How do they even get to these concentrated areas? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But that's that's a whole nother conspiracy theories <laughs> theory moral. Um, or until it's proven, uh, I think a lot of these things are proven. Um, but yeah, did you, did you have any, did you find anything about the influences, uh, what influences gun violence? Did you find anything on that? Um, as far as influences, I think it pretty much validates a lot of the, the things that we were assuming from mm -hmm. before and the things that you said. Um, so I don't want to beat the drum. Yeah. Um, I did learn a bit about who and what are more prone to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's something that's very interesting. Right. Right. Also read some articles about, um, if we're talking about gun violence and we're talking about who it hurts the most, mm -hmm. unfortunately is people of color. And I think that's where my heart is. Like, that's what brings a tear to my eye. Mm -hmm. A lot of the research that I did, it was hard. That's why I was talking about it, it was exhausting. Yeah. Okay. Um. Because, like, like we had talked about in the last episode, you know, we're we're still dealing with our own uh, trauma or our own grief when it comes to losing someone or losing someone we know, mm -hmm. and you know it it impacts everyone you know um no matter what color but it impacts everybody uh yeah so another question i believe that was asked was 
how do we reduce gun violence? Um, yeah, how do we reduce gun violence? And uh, you might have found something different, but something that I found was uh, like to reduce gun violence uh, in communities. It's, you know, U.S. law, like policymakers uh, need to, you know, implement like, the, I guess the, the word that was used was common sense gun laws. What does that mean? I believe that means is like obvious, like, duh, <laughs> like I'm not trying to trivialize this topic, but just like common sense gun laws means like, obviously these are laws and rules that should have already been in place. Mm. Like this is when we talk about people, it being legal for people to carry firearms. Obviously you ought to have some regulation with that. This isn't the wild west. You know, um, there should be things in place to protect people. Yeah. Um, so common sense gun laws, um, investment in different communities, uh, certain intervention, you know, initiatives that address gun violence. I, th- I think like, like, uh, like, like teaching. Okay. Gotcha. Like, um, teaching about respect of the firearms, teaching about, you know, how to store it, how, how does, you know, how do you keep a firearm in a, in a house or warning signs of when to not do that. You know, like I, I just, you know, there's so much that goes into having a firearm or at least not enough goes into having a firearm that yeah. need to be implemented. That's right. And I think some, some other interventions could be that it's buyback pro- program programs mm-hmm. that that'd be critical to, reducing the access that we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Like you said before, when you think of America, it's it's almost synonymous with, with violence mm-hmm. and guns. And we're not the only ones that think that. It's even abroad that folks think that is because of how many weapons there are in the country. Yeah. Let alone in our city. Yeah. We did ask about the weapons protectors, detectors at uh, Himarco County Public yeah, Schools. Yeah, the scanners. The scanners, yeah. So I did find out during like last last school year, 2022-2023, Hiroko County Public Schools recovered seven guns within that school year. Seven guns. Um, and I believe it was even more weapons. It was something like 87 weapons. Um, or at least in, in the year previous, it was the whole district had received 87 weapons. And nine of them were guns. Yeah. Um, so the spoke per- the spokesperson for um, Harrogate County Public Schools uh, said that the school district planned to install the weapon detectors uh, systems at all the middle schools by Thanksgiving Day. So it seemed to be a, an initiative. Like it was like yeah. we are doing this now, and they had it down to a science. I mean, the kids are pretty used to it now. Yeah. Um, I mean, used to the used to coming into the school, taking yourself out your bag, going through the thing, just like the airport, you know? But obviously, being at school is such a different experience now than it was when we were even in school. I felt safe you know? back then, yeah. Yeah, I felt safe at school. I was in a Richmond area school, I won't say mm-hmm. what school specifically, uh, in the last week or so, and there was a scanner. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a friend after seeing it, and... 
he was recognizing that they used to just turn them off because they never really worked. I think that's mm. from from years ago, but now it's like it's something we have to rely on. Yeah. And as far as the 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 ones that are going into Henrico schools, because that's their most recent intervention, the the spokesperson said it was based off of community f- feedback mm-hmm. that they wanted them in the schools. Like they pulled yeah. parents and I'm sure maybe even some students. And they indicated that they would feel safer with them in their schools. Yeah. So, like, it's the population that doesn't feel safe. And I think that's why I think that this topic was so important to do. Because safety, the or the lack thereof, like, the lack of safety is impacting schools. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. even at a, like a, you know, taking at, you know, taking it off of Richmond for a second. But we know about countless school shootings. So much so that there are mandatory active shooter drills. Yeah. I think even even in the research, there's one question that still hasn't been answered. What's that? Why hasn't anything changed yet? It's a good question. One of the things that came up in the research was specifically Richmond. If you look year over year for mm-hmm. the last six or seven years, maybe a little bit longer and one of the the ultimate you know outcomes from from gun violence is homicides and i think i one of the articles that were shared with us was about the 75% decrease in gun violence in the city of richmond mm-hmm. and there's a count of like it peaked in 2022 with around 75 76 deaths and or um, injuries from gun violence and they were celebrating from the last year how that decreased. Mm. And it returned back down to around 60, 66 people died. Mm. So the gun violence prevention program initiated by the mayor started a few years ago when it was still. So now they're just back to their baseline from when they really started to implement the program. Yeah. So is there really any improvement 21 and 22 were significant years in in data science so that we you would call that a messy year because all the influences from that the baseline is still the problem mm-hmm. the problem is still the problem right like, you know more than one dead person because of gun violence is still a, a problem especially senseless gun violence yeah or mistaken uh like usage or improper usage right. because people don't know how to use them Right. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely an issue that impacts so many different areas and facets of life. Yeah. Um, it impacts the schools. The schools aren't safe. It impacts, um, you know, police. And, you know, that's something we actually haven't even talked about yet is police and police brutality and uh, the history of the police. You know, some of that stuff that we haven't touched on yet, not because we don't want to or scared, but we're right. saving it for an appropriate time. Yeah. Um, but it just hits so many different you know, it's, I don't think we can do it justice. We, yeah. 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 Like if you look at the data and I have some of the data here, like, I don't know if, if things like that are considered mm-hmm. as relevant to the Virginia department of health data set for deaths from firearms, but they do track different d- dimensions from that, from deaths by intent. So whether it's, it's accident suicide or homicide right death by district so like where guns gun deaths are happening 
and gun violence by demographic, age, race, and, and yeah, and just uh, and sex too. And one of the things that are significant that we should know about, and my wife helped me see see this a little bit differently, mm-hmm. was that per capita, Richmond isn't the most deadly place. We just have a lot most of people, definitely. right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like the perception that we have around like black people are more violent mm-hmm. really isn't true. Like by volume, maybe we are dying at a higher rate, and maybe mm-hmm. by volume, we are still um, the ones. Yeah. But we don't hurt. make up much of the population, though. right? Especially in Richmond. Um, yeah, not these days, right? Uh, but like there are other areas where, like per capita, like they are more violent, mm-hmm. um, and people that are populations that are hurt more by it are likely Native Americans, right? Yeah, it's like surrounding counties per capita are deadlier than than the Richmond neighborhoods that we yeah. tend to perceive as violent. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, you know, we kind of focus on Richmond, but, mm-hmm. uh, this definitely is a, I mean, well, all of our topics are, all of our topics leap off of Richmond because they seem to be, we need to cont- contrast it somehow. Richmond's yeah. not a bad place. Richmond is definitely not a bad place. And other cities are in a bad place. That's true it's too. How they are portrayed by yeah. other people and by other sources yeah and that also has to be combated with or maybe not combated but there's a cry out there as well mm-hmm. that we have to speak to yeah there's a cry out there that we have to speak to and you know we <laughs> we gotta address these hard topics man this is a hard topic but um i think there are there's not hopelessness I believe that maybe on the governmental policy side, there may not be too much change. That's why I asked that question. I feel like that's a question that hasn't really been answered. Is that why haven't these been like, how, why haven't there been serious attention to this? Um, but there are a number of resources out there um, that are teachers of weapons handling uh, there are some amazing places for people who have lost people mm-hmm. to get counseling. There's uh, different child places for children that deal with the trauma or um, maybe they've been shot or they've lost someone. There's just so many. I want to go through some of them. Street smarts over safety is uh, something that is in Richmond as well. It's empowering youth and adults of RVA to become leaders and advocates in their community Um, and street smarts over safety uh, is a two-pronged company. They strive to educate the community on criminal justice principles, life-saving procedures and confidence building. Uh, They focus on empowering members of the community to reach their fullest potential, fight injustice and better their community. Uh, So it seems like this is a, uh, a program or company that is helping prepare adults and young people mm-hmm. on how to survive. Okay. How to make better choices. Yeah. And that, I mean, that goes back into this, like the, the preventive, the pre- like preventing getting to that point. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes sense. You um, asked a question in the last episode about conf, about how, how do we, resolve this issue yeah conflict yeah, yeah. resolution was one conflict of your, resolution and this goes even deeper than that it's 
it's sustaining oneself. Yeah. 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 And it seems like they also help with, like I said, injustices and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, they do a lot of great things. You, you brought up Drums No Guns yes. uh, Foundation, Richmond Peace Education Center. Um, Richmond Peace Education Center, they, they build just, inclusive, nonviolent communities through education and action. Uh, and it seems, um, yeah, they are a center that is dedicated to creating and protecting, affirming spaces that embrace cultural humility and create ties of respect and appreciation across generations, cultures, race, class, religion, uh, regions, gender, and sexual identity in order to build an inclusive community. Um, and this just kind of goes into communal support. Um, and again, this is all preventative stuff. You know, this isn't reaction. Um, not that that's bad. There's some reactionary stuff too, because uh, again, we people are touched by gun violence and mm -hmm. there needs to be a reactionary uh, program as well. There's child savers. Uh, child savers is um, children's mental health services. Uh, they're a team that provides child play therapy, family therapy, and psychiatric services for kids in the greater Richmond area. Uh, they connect with trusted child therapists and you know, through the outpatient, school-based, virtual, and immediate response therapy. And we, we talked about the schools and children not feeling safe or children even having to deal with gun violence. There's help out there and resources to help them mm. because their minds are way more fragile. It's amazing to know that there, there's therapy and people that's paying attention to this. And, you know, I hope this is like, man, that, that provided me some hope. You know, I have relatives that have been going to therapy and stuff like that because, like I said, my family has been touched by it. And it's awesome to see them dealing with it, but also extending their arm to help people. Yeah. You know, I, we, I shouted out uh, Reagan Charnay's Way Foundation that was started in her honor. And they do a lot of work with parents that's lost, they're lost their children. And that's, you know, that's just another resource of things to just help because the problem is here, you know, um, and it's really uh, encouraging to hear that there's efforts out there. Yeah. Um, there's so many resources, here, <laughs> so many resources we have down here. Um, there's activism. There's local resources. Yeah. What's some of the resources that you found? I know you found some of these, too. You probably um, speak better to it. I think... One of them is a, a lot of the, the community outreach the city has done. And I think it's something that should be shared more widely mm -hmm. and not just like with the methodology of just surveying these populations, it should be acted on. I really appreciated from one of our last episodes that a lot of what happens in our cities there are a lot of studies being done. Mm -hmm. Like there are people researching other people. Yeah. There are master plans being created, initiatives being created, but how much of that is being acted upon? And one of the, the surveys that the city did, they c surveyed people from gun violence hotspots like mm -hmm. Gilpin, Mosby, Whitcomb, Hillside, Fairfield, Belt Atlantic, Atlantic, 
um, because they are prone to gun violence. And what they heard were some of the concerns around the pressing issues facing their community. Guess what number one was? What? Guess. Dom. <laughs> it's gun violence. It's gun violence. Yeah, that's the number one pressing issue from that population. Like, they're they concerned about the gun violence in their communities. Yeah. But the other ones are some of the contributors that you were talking about before. Lack of access to programs and resources. Yeah. Other violence, like gang violence, lack of em employment, lack of trauma and healing support, mental, emotional health, food access, yeah. and then other. But... Again, all those were the things that contribute to what yeah. contributes to people resorting to, to violence. Yeah. And also some of this research is it talks about, you know, just even all the way down to like mm -hmm. the practices of gun makers and sellers. Okay. Um, across the country help fuel like the Ill illegal firearm market. Okay. You know, just like we kind of talked about like, man, how do they even get, you know, how do these guns even get to these different places? There was a gun show on January 6th in Richmond. You can't, you guys can't see, but like I dropped my head. But yeah, I mean, Something just, like I actually did hear, I mean, this, this goes beyond my research. I don't remember if it was a documentary or it's something that I read, but they're, they're definitely these gun shows. Some of these gun shows there's a lot of illegal activity as far as people being able to go to these gun shows and buy and pay for certain guns mm -hmm. that you couldn't normally get. And again, it's just like, it's, you know, it's like the wild West and we, we have to stop treating guns like that. Like this isn't a cowboy movie, you know, gunslingers and stuff like that. I, I think that, the resources that are doing amazing work, definitely encouraging. And I think that that's something that needs to be uh, lifted up, mm -hmm. lifted up. Definitely. Um, what do you think? This is an election year. Oh yeah. <laughs> On every level. On every level. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you feel the tenseness. I kind of do. feels like a powder keg. feels like, you know what I'm saying? feel like election years is always something and I'm just kind of waiting for something to happen. But so gun rights, this isn't about gun rights, but gun rights seems to always be something that's like on the debating block. Mm -hmm. What type of platform do you think we'll see from our two main candidates? We don't really know who they'll be yet, speak but to the platform in general, but like what's on a part of that, that conversation. Yeah. Do you think that gun rights will come up I think as it big will. as it has, it, yeah. as it's gone in the past? And as gun violence has gone up, gun rights has been part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I can only make more assumptions. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I don't, this is not what that's about. So we're not going to go too far into that. But uh, I'm just curious of people's stance on gun rights now mm -hmm. because gun violence has gone up since the last time you know it's been debated so I'm just curious you know I'm just curious but hopefully there's 
I, I I guess from my standpoint, I'm hoping that there's like national change, like national incentives or uh, national policies and stuff like that. Yes. Like to come down from uh, some just real change. I think that's what people are waiting for. That's what I'm waiting for. Just real change. Yeah. Because the people need it. Yeah. You have any more questions or did we, did we touch on everything that we did? I think, yeah, based on our, just like, even this is our interpretation of the the information that we got. I'm really looking forward to talking to someone. Yeah. Who is, addressing this directly yeah i really would love to get and this is definitely a topic that we kind of need like help with help with yeah um i know i do so because we we definitely aren't the (laughs) we we definitely aren't the experts here Mm -hmm. um so uh i will say that if you happen to be a listener and you know you've been touched by gun violence in a way there's a number of resources in Richmond that help with different things. Um, there's therapy, there's communities you can become a part of, uh, the people that can really lift your arms up. Um, there's, uh, you know, alternative programs that you can be a part of that are positive, um, there are people that are lobbying for better policies. There are so many different resources to be a part of if you are, or if you are someone who are trying to, trying to get involved, there's so many different resources to be a part of. And, um, you know, we'll have some of these resources in our show notes as well. Yeah. Um, but like I said, last episode, and I'll say it again, this episode, this is an issue. And, Carl and I, you know, are trying our best to make sure that we are being respectful um, with our platform and how we address these things and being respectful to how much this is a big wound in our country. This is a huge wound in our country. It's something that people deal with every day. In a lot of ways, I'm blessed. Gun violence has touched my family, but and has touched my life in certain ways. But I don't live in areas or have to deal with it constantly every day. But there are people out there that do, mm-hmm. and we're going to use our voices to speak and advocate for them. Yeah. Um, but this is an issue, and, you know, embraces out there, I would definitely uh, encourage you to do your own research. Do your own deep dive. It was very uh, sobering for me. I'm sure it was sobering for Carl as well. Um, definitely moved my heart. It was definitely humbling. And I think the more people that take the time to really research these things, not only will you learn that this is a huge topic or a huge issue, but like Carl said earlier, like we said a number of times, that this is not a color issue. There are, there's no color that's inherently violent. This isn't a black people need to get together issue. Gun violence in our country is an everybody issue. It is the it's the leading killer of Americans. And, you know, it's it's it is the epidemic and it has been the epidemic. And we we need to work together. We need to research. We need to make sure that we understand what's going on and we need to seek out ways that we can be impactful. 
I'm going to leave it with you guys there and allow you guys to chew on that, chew on all of that information. Please make sure that you support us by subscribing. If you're listening on Apple podcast or on Spotify or on Google, please consider writing a review. This is a very hard topic and you know, we would love to hear from you guys. Maybe you've, you know, you have a story to tell. Maybe you have something to share. Carl and I, our ears are wide open, you know, reach out to us on our Instagram page, uh, embrace underscore podcast. We will even link you to some of these resources. We didn't read all of the resources that we found. You know, if, if, if there's help that you need, we will be more than happy to send you links or send you websites of, or numbers of people or emails of people that can help you. This is a podcast about change and help. And we want to be facilitators of that. So please reach out on our next episode. Carl and I will be journeying back into our map series, but this time we're going West and I mean far West to a little land. I like to call short pump. So thank you guys so much. We love you and we will see you on our next episode. Peace.